What's good, everybody? You're listening to Our Future, Looking Beyond with Michael Sakan, the business podcast for young people. In today's episode, Opening Doors with Consulting, I interview Bain partner Chris Beerley, who heads out Bain's restaurant, music, and education practices. We discuss his 30-year career at one of America's most prestigious firms and his advice for students who want to recruit consulting this fall. So Chris, you're a partner at Bain and a director to arguably the most elite consulting firm in the world. How do you have time to dominate in your fantasy football league? Uh, So I'm not going to comment on the first part of your question, but uh, uh, it is absolutely true that I dominate in my fantasy football league. Uh, (laughs) So thank you for for calling that out. Well, I think that's a relief to some of my buddies who, you know, they want to get paid the big bucks, but they also want to have a life. What's the typical day of a, a Bain partner? Can you walk us through it? Is it just, you know, crazy? I think, uh, you know, there's, there are professions that are um, especially demanding, and this is certainly one of them. Uh, and if you choose the life of, of strategy consulting, you're definitely choosing a job that uh, requires a lot of energy from the moment you get after it at the beginning of the day to whenever you, you hang it up at the end of the day or, you know, with some breaks in between. But there's a lot that you get from that as well. You know, it's uh, in, in, in so many different kinds of things you can do with your time I mean, you get what you put into it. This is the kind of job where you're always on, you're always running hard at whatever you're doing. You're never watching the clock and thinking on board. You're watching the clock and thinking, I need more time <laughs> to get what I need to get done uh, in this day. For me as a, as a longtime partner, it's what's kept me there. You know, I've done a couple other jobs along the way. I've left Spain a few times and come, you know, come back. But the level of energy you get back from the work that you do is is, a, is it's pretty compelling. And at least for me, it's it's been too attractive to step away from. So one of your lead areas where you are giving your energy is Bain's restaurant practice. Is a big part of your job right now helping restaurants kind of transition to contactless um, and delivery-only strategies in the wake of this virus that's rocked our world? Most businesses have been heavily disrupted by the virus, but, but probably very few more so than restaurants because you know, many restaurants are closed. Others are living in this new world of, um, you know, reduced contact. So, yes, uh, trying to help um, uh, the restaurant clients I've had for for many cases a long time figure out if they're in a more limited service environment, how to do more through the drive-through or more through delivery or stand up a uh, curbside pickup business. Those restaurants are, for the most part, only open at this point for takeout and delivery, but some of the same challenges uh, persist, you know, in that environment, and, and they've got the additional challenge coming up as they start to reopen with how to stand up dining rooms that look very different than dining rooms in the past, less crowded, mm-hmm. um, you know, waiters in face masks, customers even, potentially entering the restaurant with a face mask, but putting it aside only to eat. It's, there's a lot to be worked through, and and we're involved in all of that. So we've seen the restaurant industry be pretty upended recently. You have Grubhub, DoorDash, these delivery services that have kind of altered the landscape. I want to talk about cloud kitchens. Cloud kitchens have no dine-in. They typically exist in these unbranded spaces, and they operate exclusively through these meal delivery services. They could change their menu overnight. They could change the name of their restaurant overnight. Is this, this agile concept, is this something you're pursuing with your restaurant partners? The one that you're describing is, is what I think deserves that name for the most part, which is a shared kitchen space 
that is um, developed to uh, enable a number of restaurants to operate out of a single facility at a lower cost than they would have if they built a dedicated restaurant. They're still pretty limited in this country. Uh, in other markets around the world, they're, they're, they're more developed. Those uh, types of businesses that are shared kitchens are distinct from a restaurant brand opening its own kitchen space that is only for delivery, um, which is another thing that sometimes has that term associated with it. But I think you're talking about shared kitchen space. There's an opportunity, a market opportunity for someone to open up a shared kitchen, which is um, geared toward uh, delivery and, and have a market you know, for that, for that kind of business model. So, for example, in uh, Europe, one of the leading delivery services is a company called Deliveroo, and Deliveroo um, owns a number of cloud kitchens. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions. Uh, that if you're in the restaurant business are posed uh, by the advent, the growth of the, that, that business model. So my generation, Chris, we love to have everything delivered. We'll put on Netflix, you know, order something in, uh, stay at home. But ordering food to your house is still pretty expensive because the economies mandate that a driver be the one to deliver that to you. Are you having the robotics combo with your clients yet where autonomous vessels and uh, uh, robots and delivery vehicles are taking that last mile cost out of the formula? There are a couple markets in the world in which um, that is up and running. Um, typically, areas that are pretty unpopulated, the uh, regulatory issues are significant. Um, uh, and at the end of the day, you are trying to do something which costs a human being five or six bucks, maybe seven bucks at most to execute. And so having a very expensive piece of equipment that can do the same thing and actually get all the way up to somebody's door uh, at seven bucks, like that, does, that doesn't exist right now. And um, you are exactly the age for my point to resonate. But when I, when I look at the autonomous vehicles that I've seen today in the streets, I think that when I was your age and in the fraternity, it would not have been very yes, long sir. before our new pet was one of those autonomous vehicles that would not have made it to its destination. So I, I think I think there's a lot of issues with trying to actually scale that technology. I think 20 years from now, it's going to be a thing. I think five years from now, we're still going to be talking about it as a novelty. You also lead Bain's global K-12 education sector. And what's crazy to me, Chris, is that when you think of Bain, when people think of Bain, they think of this elite consulting firm that's working with Fortune 500 companies, but you're working with schools as well. I mean, what problems do schools have that would need a Harvard MBA to work them out? We look at it as an area of the economy that is uh, as important as any. I, mean, I don't know of anything that I would say is more important than education. Um, and that you know can benefit from the kind of services that we provide. So that's that's why we do that work. Um, it's not to me really dissimilar uh, to any other practice we have. We work across the entire you know economy, but it's one that I take a lot of personal um, pleasure in working in. I'm very passionate about education of kids, and so uh, we choose to do that work pro bono so that we can make sure that we're working in the areas of greatest need and potential impact regardless of anybody's ability to pay. So let's go down that route of schools and universities. Chris, I'd say at least 30 to 40% of my peers at Ross want to enter your realm of consulting. And, you know, I did a little homework on you, Chris, and you quoted back in the day when you were involved with the recruiting at Bain. We'll get 7,000 resumes, interview 800 people, and make 70 offers. So we hire most of our people 
into two at uh, two moments in their life predominantly undergrad you know, initial entry point um again it does include about 10 15 percent master's students um not a business school master's other masters is called the associate consultant program i've been responsible for that in north america now for over 25 years so I, wow. i'm still responsible for that um well back then that would have been that wouldn't have been the whole country but that probably would have been boston and in new york you know today we hire closer to 400 in north america a million resumes around the ballpark uh, i don't know the exact number you know we we give offers to roughly two percent of our applicant pool so wow. um you know it, uh well, i guess i do know the numbers <laughs> multiply that by 50 <laughs> you do um so you know um the so roughly twenty thousand probably I, I it's um you know we we have a large applicant pool because to your point there's a lot of a lot of folks you know coming out of college that would say consulting has a lot to offer at least in theory that they could be a good fit for them you know it's it, it gives you the opportunity to work across the private public and and social sectors you get to work um, with top the top executives that are responsible for these different organizations so you're you know kind of seeing some of the biggest issues, often global issues, very certainly very complicated questions that these, that these organizations are dealing with. And you get to do it with a set of especially um, uh, talented, highly, highly motivated peers. And, and that's pretty compelling. Um, it so is compelling. For lots of people who would look at that and say, I don't know for sure what I want to do you know, two, three years from now, but, but this seems like a pretty good way to start. So there's, there's a large applicant pool. Over time, uh, we've been able to give a lot of people their starts here. Uh, today at Bain, almost half our partners started out of undergrad. The, the undergrad entry point or the associate consultant entry point um, is uh, it's, it's a fun job to have to get to kind of work with those those folks coming in. So, Chris, tens of thousands of students right now are casing. They're practicing for their interviews in the fall when consulting recruiting starts. What's your advice for them? They have this mentality of focus this summer. It's quarantine. You can do cases with your friends over Zoom. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I think there's a, there's several parts to your question. I would say as it relates to um, uh, strategy consulting and, and management consulting and getting ready, I don't think there's a whole lot to do this summer. I mean, I, I think uh, um, I, the, the, my big answer to your question was I, I think time is a gift. You should use it well. So when you have a lot of time on your hands, you know, finding things to do uh, with, with at least a good chunk of that time that you find uh, to be most rewarding, um, it, and again, it's a gift. You should treasure it. I think um, uh, when, when folks are young, oftentimes they don't necessarily appreciate just how much, how, how valuable time can be and how what you choose to do with it ultimately uh, influences down the road. Uh, what's going on in your life. And so I would encourage everyone to be incredibly thoughtful about time. But having said that, I, I would say uh, that a lot of that time ought to be dedicated in any way to getting ready for a management consulting interview because, uh, you know, what, what this, this yes, industry is all about, uh, finding people that are, that are excited to do this work, that uh, show some uh, uh, affinity for uh, the skills that are required uh, to do it well, and uh, you, there's not a lot you need to do in prep. I mean, we, we look for people that have done well in, in school, for folks who have uh, taken advantage of opportunities both inside the classroom and outside the classroom in terms of the other kinds of things they've gotten involved with, and who are passionate about what they do, whatever they choose to do. There's no prescribed path. There's no particular set of skills that we look for in abundance because we think we can coach people up once they get here. 
and what we're mostly looking for is people that bring a real spark to, to the things they take on, whatever those things may be. So um, I would absolutely discourage anybody spending their summers trying to get better at case interviewing or reading uh, you know, business press they have no real passion for. But I would encourage people to make uh, the absolute best use of their time and trust that if they're doing what they're passionate about, uh, it will lead to opportunities down the road with, with folks like us or in other places that maybe are a better fit. So, Chris, throughout the day in, in the business world, you got a lot of digits, like da, 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 a lot of stimulus, you know, uh, uh, a lot's going on. You, you're working at a prestigious firm in a high-pressure environment. How do you stay relaxed, man? Uh, personally, um, I think I, I'm blessed in that I enjoy what I do. And so uh, while I'm working, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not watching the clock uh, other than to figure out if I can get as much done as I'd like to before that clock ticks ahead. It's not, it's not waiting for time to pass. Um, so I think if you choose things that you're passionate about and you get joy from, you get energy from, you're already on the right side of that um, that question. And for me, that's the case. I really enjoy the people I work with. I enjoy the, the, the things that I do. I also think it's, you know, important to try to keep some balance in your life. And, you know, for me personally, I, I exercise a lot. I try to eat right. I spend time Peloton with my family. Guy? I do things that give me energy. Peloton guy? Not Peloton, but the, um, uh, I mostly though. swim, but I, I, well, Swimmer. I do now okay. because okay. I have to. I, I swim, but I can't swim right now. So I, have discovered a bike, but a different bike than Peloton. But okay. I, I think well, that it's important. Again, time's a gift. So I, if, if, if you find things to do that are balanced in your life, that's great. Spending a lot of time watching you know, Netflix or, or TikTok videos may be less great. <laughs> so <laughs> there may be room for that in everyone's world. But um, uh, you know, for me, I try to find a balance of things that give me energy. Right. And is one of those things that gives you energy the arts because you're a, a patron at the UVA Arts Council. Were you a theater guy in high school, or did you develop a taste for kind of the arts later in life? I've always enjoyed music, especially. I also had Bain's music industry practice, which is not a big practice because it's not a big industry. But I've worked in the music industry for 20 years, um, and With I'm very labels? into music. Uh, record labels, music publishers, music services, wow. um, broadcasting, um, you name it, like all, all over that, that space. Um, uh, and all th- I have three daughters and they're all actresses and singers and involved in oh, the wow. arts. So that um, uh, is partly why I am so involved in that space. Chris, it was really great talking to you. Uh, I mean, thank you for your precious time. Businesses really need it right now. Just one last question. What's been your go-to quarantine activity? To, to what, what have you been doing not related to business during quarantine whether it be you know with your family your friends over zoom what's something you've done to to kind of keep sane in these times you know i it's pretty limited because <laughs> we're not uh, out and about very much but uh, you know a lot of time with family and uh we live in a beautiful area we're fortunate to live in a pretty spot so lots of walks um getting outside in nature as much as I can. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Chris Beerley, partner and director at Bain & Company. Join me on Wednesday where I talk football with Josh Jerlikowski. He's controller at the Buffalo Bills. We talk about the NFL during coronavirus. We talk about sports during these tough times. And more importantly, how Josh Allen has been killing it with the Bills and them going to the playoffs. Stay safe out there, guys. Let's change the world piece by piece. Let's rebuild it for ourselves. Catch you soon.